Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grave Consequences podcast. This is season two, episode three. The title of the episode we're reviewing from Lucha Underground, again, season two, episode three, is The Hunt is On. I am Caleb B. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow Greg at X Maserati. We'll put the spelling of that in the description. Uh, I'm not going to bother right now on the air. Um, but first off, I do want to mention that we are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We are joined by six other very good podcasts. We are joined by 8-Bit Suplex that is hosted by Josh McLaughlin, Heel Josh number 2. That's impact and video game based, as the name suggests. If you like AEW, check out All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Summerwitz. Uh, of course, you got us. You're listening to us right now. Uh, great Match Generator, DJ Cooks does that show. Great Matches Generated Reviewed. Pretty simple concept. Pretty awesome concept. Uh, if you like independent wrestling and you want to hear that covered, because indies are coming back with a bang, dude, now that the pandemic's like really starting to wind down. So you've seen a lot more indie shows out there. So now's the time to get in, for sure, for sure. Grown Men Watch This Shit is the name of the show, hosted by Jeremy uh, Tate, a.k.a. James Vanderbeek, and Chris Things, a.k.a. Chris Bryan. Yes, that is James Vanderbeek of Dawson's Creek fame. If you like New Japan Pro Wrestling, I urge you to check out Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan, the boss. And the young boy, heel Josh number one, Josh Smith. Of course, we couldn't be here if not for the original podcast of this network, One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. They talk WWE, they talk AEW, they talk NXT, stardom, pretty much everything that's the sun, sports, politics, life, anything you can think of. And you can get all of these shows either on solo feeds on whatever podcast app you use or you can get the big conglomerate feed that is that will be listed under the social suplex podcast network check all those shows out give us uh five stars if you think we deserve it uh rate review and follow i guess is the terminology on apple podcast now uh so that's that's the lineup of the social suplex podcast network shows course you're listening to the best one right now you're listening to the grave consequences podcast greg after that long ass intro i gave out how are you doing today on july 6th doing pretty good uh work's over uh, it's a beautiful day out um nothing really to complain about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no yeah it's uh man i don't want to get too inside baseball but like we um we have been discussing format changes here on the show in terms of scheduling and I don't know, it's kind of stuff that might bore the people, but really like, I, I like formatting things, you know, <laughs> I'm a fan of, you know, just formulating and everything. Is that weird? No, it's, it's always better to have a schedule. Cause then you, uh, you already have that time allocated so you don't lose it. Uh, I think, my biggest issue is just the time it takes <laughs> to record yeah. and edit. And we, we like to, uh, I think we've given the secret out, like, or at least some people could figure it out. We, we bank a few episodes at a time yeah. sometimes just, uh, so that we never miss a week. Uh, it's the benefit of not having to be, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Time news- sensitive. Yeah. Time sensitive news re- relevant. Uh, 
it, it, it helps you because you work hard in that small amount of time and then you have some time to like we've, we've we took weeks off before and no one felt it because we'd have like four or five in the bank. Uh, and we're working on doing that now. Uh, it's just that me and Caleb uh, have a lot going on. Like you, you have renovations going on. I'm going to be selling my house soon, hopefully. Um, and all that stuff always creeps into what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you, Caleb's having trouble right. with uh, what's that? No, I was saying you're absolutely right. Yeah, we're having since you're renovating, like you can't always be in the house to record. Yes, and, and uh, it's still yeah, where you live, it's not really like in November and, and you know May and and April, it was a little bit easier for you to be in your car and record. Like audience never noticed. You know, I, yeah. I we made sure the audio quality was good enough, uh, but now it's way too hot for you to do that. So we're we're dealing with uh, all kinds of logistical issues which are probably boring as hell to anyone listening but yeah uh who cares that's what they're here to listen to us man they're not here to to hear us talk about lucha underground they're just here here to hear us talk because they love us and i'm gonna throw this out there they didn't vote hard enough so they didn't not a lot not not a lot of sympathy from me Uh, you guys could have voted a little bit harder we got five percent look the the five of you that did vote for us thank you very appreciated true fans uh, the the 95 the real fans yes yes you're not fake fans um the 95 who didn't um we're coming and hell's coming with us but <laughs> enough about uh, was that doc holiday or wild bill hickok i can't remember i don't remember tombstone dude um but enough enough okay let, let's just get into the episode uh, the first thing I noticed on the intro at the commentary booth is that, is that Vampiro is wearing a red shirt with lettering that reads hooligan and it's got brass knuckles all over it. It's what like that looks like that's definitely juggalo gear for sure. And I don't think it's a brand that's around anymore. Yeah, no, I think you are right. <clears throat> I haven't seen it at least now. Am I wrong? But like, why was because Pentagon, I don't believe, was on this show, but Vampiro still spent plenty of time pumping up Pentagon Jr. He, let me check my notes, I don't think he was. Um, Puma, I don't think, was either. No, they weren't. They're on the next one. No, they're kind of pumping him up because they, they pumped him up so much in the first episode, right? <clears throat> and the second. Uh, so they have to keep the burn going, because he's right now, like in the first season, he didn't start off as a uh, I was thinking about this the other day uh like in New Japan you have the ace who's the you know the star of the sh- of the promotion then you have the dark ace which is a f- not necessarily a mainstream favorite but he has like like a cult following like a really uh a lot of fans are behind him but just not always the casual fans uh like Naito would have been the dark ace for a while uh, uh Okada was the ace in here, it's in Lucha Underground. It was, it was uh, who was it? It was uh, Prince Puma, mm-hmm. and the Dark Ace would have been Pentagon. Maybe at the end, but not the beginning and not the middle. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Early on, it was probably uh, Johnny Mundo, I guess. Our Phoenix. Yes, yes, that, that that's true as well. But you know, we mentioned Dark Aces and Dark Phoenixes and. 
birds and let's talk about snakes and cats right quick because our first match of the night is Bengala, the cat man himself, against the debutante Cobra Moon. Do you remember who Cobra Moon is underneath the mask, pal? Because I think anyone listening does, but let's refresh their memory just in case. Well, if we're going to spoil it, it's, uh, what's her name? Now you're... Thunder Rosa. There we go. <laughs> I was like, I knew, and then I just completely had dementia blank. Well, we're not spoiling anything. I mean, like, she's Thunder Rosa's never on the show, like, as Thunder Rosa. She's just Cobra Moon, so it's not really like spoiling anything. It's like saying Matanza's Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb never wrestles on Lucha Underground. Like, <laughs> sorry if I... I don't think those are big spoilers. Do you? No, I just genuinely couldn't remember her name. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, the the pigs at the temple, you know what they chanted at Cobra Moon as she got in the ring? No. Mama Sita. Oh, dear. Like That's she's not problematic. Kick at wrestle. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But uh, Cobra Moon, ooh, she's a part of the, what's it, the lizard tribe, the snake tribe? Reptile. The reptile tribe, pardon me. Yeah. Um, she slithers in the ring. It's like Randy Orton, but goofy. Well, I've always felt Randy Orton was goofy for yeah. slithering. I mean, because they were, it's a PG product. I'm not even dissing WWE. It's just, you know, he's, that's what he's got to do in a WWE, in a, in a PG product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he can't just be like a psychopath sadist really all the time. He does some stuff. Uh, but I like what they, Lucha Underground does a good job where her Lucha moves are very, she slithers practically through a lot of her, her techniques, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, she, she stays low to the ground and she like, they, they do when they come out as animals, like they're really kind of animal people and they, they really go, they, they really go all in with it. Um, yeah. And it, and it fits. I mean, we, like you said, it's cat versus snake. <laughs> Yeah, I think her uh, her one submission is actually they kept calling it a snake sleeper uh, instead yeah. of a dragon sleeper. Yeah, it was kind of goofy, in my opinion. Um, also, at one point, Cobra Moon dove to the outside, you know, off the ropes and uh, landed a head scissor, nailed a head scissor. It's just like that. To me, that's insane to be like, OK, I'm going to dive on you legs first so I can hit the head scissor and do it to perfection. Yeah, I don't know if they've worked together before or not, but they were doing moves like that were maybe not injury risky, but uh, very easy to botch. But they did. Yes. High margin of error. Yeah. High margin of error. Not a great deal of reward, I think. But they but the reward is that they both were very animal like still and, and they, they played their parts. And I mean, she did a. a Hurricane Rana that looked very like she practically slithered and, and slid her way into it. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. I noticed at one point because Bengala got got some shit in on this one, man. And he even like at one point he went for a cocky cover. Of course, that only got him two. Um, and at one point he hit a thrust kick, a mean thrust kick on on Cobra Moon. And this may be where some people checked out on Lucha Underground because they're like, yeah, they're kind of, they're laying it in on those ladies, or at least it looks like they are, you know? Because for some people, it's not an issue for me, obviously, because I, I like the show enough to do a podcast about the show. But for some people, intergender wrestling just does not hit, man. 
And I think sometimes it, for a lot of times it doesn't. Um, I've, I think I've talked about how I would think I would change the stipulations where the guy can't hit the girl and the girl can't hit the guy in tag in a tag in the intergender tag matches. Yeah. That's what I was suggesting where it's like a rule breaking if the girl hits, cause usually the girl will hit the guy all day, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the WWE ones, but the yes. guy can't hit the girl. And it's just, to me, it's kind of corny cause it's like, all right, well I know what's going to happen, but in Lucha Underground, they just, they just go for it. And I think season one kind of conditioned the fans to be able to accept it. Uh, if you, if you don't accept it at this point, you're probably still not watching. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, there was one point in WWE in 2019, actually, when when a male hit a move on a woman. And I will link you to it because, like, when he did it, the crowd just fucking, like, exploded with anger. Um, it was from Extreme Rules 2019. Uh, Baron Corbin hit the end of days on Becky Lynch. That's awesome. Insane, yeah. insane. Because you know how good the, the end of days looks, man, especially when certain people take it. Like, yeah. What was he feuding with uh, Seth or something? Yeah, yeah. They did a a mixed tag winner take all because Seth and Becky had the uh, women's title and the red title and Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans challenge for both of them. But enough about 2019 WWE. The finish to this match came when when Cobra Moon locked in a snake sleeper. And Bengala tried to paw his way to the ropes, but he just couldn't quite get there, and he tapped out. And I think she was trying to lock her hands together, but he's just, you know, she's kind of a small woman. Yeah. Uh, so she couldn't really get around his head and collapse both hands, but it was still good. It was still a good submission. It would work in a real fight. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, it was a fine debut. Uh, I guess in kayfabe, it's at least better than PJ Black's because she won. Mm-hmm. But I, and I, I get it, like you know, she's smaller, so I guess it kind of makes sense, you know, logically. But she didn't look too great here, in my opinion. No, and I don't think she ever does look super amazing in in the show because she gets outclassed by the rest of the people that join her tribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did have a win because she went against Bengala, who's not really he's not a, a jobber by any means, but he's definitely opening act low card, lower yeah. on the card in, on this show. Whereas PJ Black went against the Mac, who has a better win record than Killshot, right? Mm-hmm. And Killshot's yes. a killer. <laughs> so yeah. PJ Black losing it, it, it's you you kind of go like, well, OK, he debuted. And he, lo- he lost on his debut. That's not usually people frown upon that. But you know, he lost to some guy that's got a lot of build behind him. So yeah, got a it's lot not the end of the world. But still? hey, next, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely still here. Okay. But <laughs> after after this match, yeah, it, you know, it's not a grave consequences episode without dead air, of course. But after that match, we see Katrina in her office when Phoenix shows up and. You know, she's one of those she uh, she can sense it. You know, it's just uh, in her nature, in her supernatural nature. Phoenix uh, asked for King Cuerno and Katrina is like, you know, OK, but, you know, you don't get automatic rematches. So sorry about you. You can get King Cuerno. But um, is this when she books the match or does she book that later? I think it's in the same segment. I'm pretty sure. Mm, yes, yes, you were right. You were right. It will, okay, it's it's split up. 
and I will explain why. But, you know, Phoenix goes off about, hey, before I die, before that happens, before, you know, I see the end of my thousand lives, uh, I will destroy King Cuerno, Mil Muertes, and you. So Phoenix is just, he's on a war path right now. He is definitely a bird of war. I think he's learned his lesson from being a simp. Uh, yeah. And, he, you know, he, he may be right in that she's a bad guy, but uh, he's probably more, <coughs> excuse me, more angry of himself than uh, her. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And after that, so we're going to go to King Cuerno pretty soon. But after that, we see a vignette of a native girl in a tribe talking about the man from the stars. And she's talking about Aerostar. Rocket Aero- Man. Yeah, exactly. And he, he travels back in time because he can do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, like, hey, one day the gods will return in the form of man. So, like, if you didn't realize this, if we didn't harp on it hard enough yet, there is some supernatural shit going on in the temple. Yeah, if you like The Fiend and The Undertaker and... Uh... Abyss, you know, you yeah. like, uh, yeah, you like th- those kind of supernatural segments. I mean, Lucha Underground really was kind of made for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely it was. Because, I mean, you know, we, we know the origin story of Mil Muertes. Drago is a literal dragon. Aerostar can time travel. Like, if you want your wrestling to get a little out there, this is the show. Let's see here. Oh, King Cuerno's in his uh, somewhere doing hammer curls when Katrina comes in and admonishes him for not destroying Phoenix. And she tells Phoenix or she tells King Cuerno to kill the Phoenix in a match you are best at, which is, of course, last luchador standing. It's funny that she says a match that you're best at when, you know, we can remember how he won the first and only last luchador standing match. Maybe you should remind the audience. I remember, of course, because I remember everything. But for anyone that may have forgot. Well, I know because you remember everything. So I'm yes. just going to tell the audience here. Um, it was him and... God, it was not Phoenix. It was Drago. And okay. he, he taped Drago's feet. Oh. While he was, like his feet were behind the um, ring post. So he physically could not get up. Could not stand up. Hey, it's a victory. Yeah. No, absolutely. But hey, last luchador standing tonight, and it's not even for the title. So it's like Phoenix is basically fighting to stay alive tonight. The hunter then sniffs Katrina. He sniffs Katrina as he says, the hunt is on. Now, was he smelling Phoenix on her from earlier? Ooh. Highly, po- highly possible. He's very much Craven from Spider-Man. Craven the Hunter. He's pretty much exactly like him. I heard he sniffed her, and then he started singing uh, "Sex and Candy" by Marcy Playground. That's the only thing that could have made this segment better. <laughs> In platform double suede. Wow. <laughs> Enough about that. Uh, we get Jack Evans. He's out here. And... I got to interrupt you for a second, because if yeah. if someone could go back 
and edit in uh, Marcy's Playground for, for Cuerno and fucking Butterfly from Crazy Town for Pentagon. That's the only thing that could make this show better, in my opinion. Just <laughs> add music from that era that's just obnoxious now. That would be oh. like the best. No, you're right. You're right. Let's let's get off to the, you know, let's pull over. If we're on the highway, let's pull over for a second. Who gets Mbop? Ooh, Mbop. Uh, can we make it? Who Who is the uh, guy that was a dishwasher that became El Mariachi? Uh, El Mariachi Loco, yeah. He could be Mbop. Yes. Because that's heel music. That is definitely heel music. And Mbop, it's gone. Uh no, not him. Uh, the other guy that disappeared for a little bit but comes back later with uh, a faction uh, that had the doll for a little bit. Oh, shit. Ricky Mandel. Mickey, yeah, he could be Mbop. Yeah, he's definitely Mbop. He's got the pretty boy energy about him. Yes. I'm trying to think but, from that era what else was obnoxious for music, even back then. I mean, yeah. uh, do we have... Ooh, uh, uh, Blue Damon could have been uh, uh, Eiffel 47 iPhone 60. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. He could have been blue. Uh, mm. Sexy Star could have been like something from Aqua. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Oh, man. I can keep going, but I'll stop because I can tell you've already lost interest. Uh, uh, it's all good. It's all good. If you have any more, you know, just eh, drop them casually. But hey, Jack Evans versus Drago. I remembered as this match started, I was like, oh, God, this is going to start like one of my favorite mini feuds of. The second season <laughs> and out of the gate drago was just pissed at jack evans drago's just jack evans is getting the worst out of drago throughout this entire match i mean they have history because they had a feud first season did they yeah well they had like a mini feud why do they i had... not remember that um because it wasn't like a sto- it wasn't like a story about anything it's just that they're they were having matches and Cueto wanted them to have like a uh, uh, an ultimate winner. You know how he does. Like, oh, I, you're. I hate to. I hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> you uh, you conflated Jack Evans and Aerostar somehow. No, I'm pretty sure Jack Evans fought Aerostar or Drago. In the uh, I think Aerostar because Aerostar. That's when he debuted, and Aerostar like hit some top rope something on him that looked like it killed him. You're right. It might have been Aerostar. But either way, either way, look, this feud is going to be awesome. And this match was fine. Of course, it's Jack Evans and Drago. They're both very athletic. And Jack, like, steals the win. Like, <laughs> foot, feet on the rope, leverage pin. And he acts like he just won the Super Bowl. I thought he lost. No, Jack got the win. <laughs> Oh, I misunderstood the ending. <laughs> no, Jack got the win. Jack got the win, man. And uh, he, Melissa Santos started to announce him as the winner, and he grabbed the mic. He said, let a professional handle this. And then he got on some type of table. It wasn't it wasn't Matt Stryker and uh, Vampiro's table, but some type of platform. And as he gets on there, he says, out of the way, Chubbs. <laughs> Your winner, Jack, the Dragon Slayer. Evans. Yeah, Jack is great. He's he still hasn't had his opportunity to shine in in uh, AEW, but it's coming. Yeah, he's actually got bigger. If you've seen the, one of the more recent AEWs, he's bulked up. I can believe it. I can believe it. I, I 
I look forward to TH2 doing jobs on Rampage every now and again. Um, <laughs> Tejano vignette, which is like, what's the point of this? And then I remember, wait, no, the point of this is that um, Tejano is still pissed at Chavo and the crew. And he's out there breaking wood with his bare hands. He even says, I am a Mexican ass kicker. I mean, this is a this is an act that plays to the crowd. The crowd dig it, digs it. Um, I don't know. Is he a better heel or a better face, in your opinion? Um, here's the thing. I think he would probably work best as a tweener. Yeah, I think he does like casual fans as a face. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a better heel because he can lose and he doesn't really, you don't really care too much. You know what I mean? Oh, by the way, by the way, at some point he says, you know, the the biggest mistake of Chavo and the crew is pissing me off. And as he's saying all this, he's fighting in a bar against a luchador or at least a guy wearing a lucha mask. And it's like, why are you wearing a lucha mask in a bar? I'm going to stop you right there because one of the if I got rich and I was just a complete asshole, like that's the key. You got to be a complete asshole. I. I talked about this with someone else I had a podcast like years ago with. Uh, and one of the conversations of attire you'd wear if you're a complete asshole and you're rich and you're just, you know, star, a baller, is a cape, right? Bangles, mm-hmm. like ghost face bangles, like just huge bangles on your wrist, a wrestling heavyweight belt, like a huge one, right? And hell yeah, I'd, wa- I'd walk around with a luchador mask on there. Oh, so no one can see your face. I gotcha. Well, not really. I just... You know, if you're going to go full asshole, like, right? Well, you see, for me, my key would be, you know, you know, wear whatever apparel I'm feeling like, but I got to get the veneers. I got to get the Roman Reigns fake teeth that just look beautiful and obviously fake. Well, the way I'm thinking about it is like you're 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 trying your best to piss people off. Like you're almost like peacocking. As some people would say, right? Yeah. But like you're going full. Like that's what wrestlers. A lot of wrestlers' gimmicks are is they're just dickheads, right? Yes. You know, Most so like, yeah. So that's what you're like. What you see, uh, you you're saying like, would you like who kind of assholes wearing a luchador mask? Well, it's the guy that's going to lose the fight the worst, right? Yeah. On on this show, right? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But hey, what we get out of this? Tejano returns next week. So like the hits just keep coming. Uh, the crowd is going to love that, I'm sure. Um, next up, Prince Puma is in the bathroom. And who harasses him but his boss, Katrina? This is unbecoming. Yeah, there's probably rules against that, especially since she's the boss. I mean, there's a power dynamic there, so she's going to get me too. Yeah, Katrina, uh, you're canceled for what it's worth. I, I guess she wanted to give Prince Puma a hard time. Oh, yeah, about Conan being dead. <laughs> that's kind of funny though yeah it's like hey you, you know how your your mentor died and uh my, my trio of of disciples of death killed him that, that that's cool and yeah yeah he took that about as well as you think i guess yeah <laughs> hey next up is our main event last luchador standing this is non-title King Cuerno versus Phoenix. And their first match I described as amazingly physical. And I would use those two words to describe this match as well. Let me ask you this. Was was the was there anything online? Like he gets a title shot if he won? Because I missed that. 
No, literally the point of this was just Katrina wanted King Cuerno to like end Phoenix. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things there's two things I took away from this is Vamp actually did a really good job. On the announcing because Vampiro? Vampiro? yes, because I have a gripe with him and I'll explain it. This is one part of it. One okay. part of the announcing. Uh, I remember a while back watching USC people used to get mad at uh, I forget the other guys announcer, but Joe Rogan and uh, something Goldberg. Uh, Mike Goldberg, yeah. Mike Goldberg. People, newer fans were like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know anything about MMA. And that would go on for years. They'd be like, why can't they just have someone else like Joe that knows what they're talking about? And then later on, someone went, I think it was Joe or Mike Goldberg himself was like, yeah, uh, people didn't understand. But one of the announcer's jobs for certain sports shows is to ask the simple questions for the newer fans so that they can be educated by the other announcer like they'll ask like what what are the rules in this match even though uh, a more experienced fan will be like what are you stupid of course you should know what that is they're asking for the audience <laughs> right <laughs> oh my god uh that was my criticism and now i'm gonna sound like the asshole it's like oh vampiro does not understand the rules somehow well that was that was that it was actually a good question though i thought about it he was asking and i, I know what you're talking about he was like hey can you keep hitting him when he's down and at first I was like, well, that's stupid. It's going to break the count. But if you're a new fan, like you've never watched it before, you might think, well, I'll just keep hitting him and he'll stay down for 10 seconds. Yeah. Right. For a 10 count. But, you know, the announce, but then Stryker corrected him. He's like, no, unfortunately, any attack will restart the count. I mean, that's good to know if you've never, ever, ever seen a wrestling show before. And, you know, people be like, who hasn't seen a wrestling show? It's always somebody's first time. Right? Exactly. Uh, so it's, it was, and I'm not saying he did this intentionally, right? <laughs> but I was going to say, I thought, I thought Vampiro just forgot the rules, to be honest with you. I mean, he's been in a lot of hardcore matches, so even in kayfabe, that's possible, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's crazy. He's a lunatic yeah. in kayfabe. So even that, he's, is, is good. But I was thinking about it. I was like, that's stupid. But then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? If that weren't against the rules, if it didn't restart the count, everybody should just keep kicking the other guy when he's down, right? He's got to yeah. fight his way up. I mean, that would be – I could even see a, a match type where that is the case, and that could be fun. Yeah. So I had um, at least one spot, definitely one spot that stood out to me uh, at the finish. Did you have anything that stood out to you, man? I didn't have a particular spot that stuck out, but I really took mm -hmm. notice of the fact that last uh, – our 10-count matches, well, last band standing, anything of the such – uh, really does do wonders for a luchador because now a suicide dive makes sense. Like you could do a suicide dive, knock the guy out. You don't have to get him back in the ring and pin him, which kind of, yeah. you know, in regular matches, it's suicide dives are kind of stupid because you're both down. You could both lose. It's almost like a suicide move, like by the name. But in this one, you can do a suicide dive on someone and then you can get up and then they, they don't. You could win from a suicide plancha. And all their spots that they did normally that wouldn't have a count associated with them like that did. Uh, and it actually enhanced the match where I think one of the first suicide dives, like there was a 10 count attempt. Yeah. Yeah, that's when like um, King Cuerno got a six count on Phoenix and Vampiro asked that question that I mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, the finish was just insane, bruh. Because Phoenix is on top of, I guess, at this point, Katrina's office. There's still a table that has been set. You know, it's, it's uh, what's the term? It's Chekhov's table. It's been there for forever. Set up by King Cuerno, of course. 
King Cuerno is on the ladder that is perched up against the wall. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix, the genius that he is, just grabs the ladder and just pushes it over. And King Cuerno just crashes through that table. Yeah, and this is after Cuerno actually had it won. But he stops the ref. He looks at Phoenix, and he I think the story they're telling is that he remembers that he wasn't told to just win. He was told to destroy Phoenix. Yeah. So he stops the count where he won. And he he sets up the ladder, and then Phoenix climbs up the ladder. And then, you know, uh, Cuerno starts climbing up after him. And Phoenix kicks him and then pushes the ladder down as Phoenix gets to the very top. Yeah, and that's when we get to the to the finish. I mean, it made them. It it may have taken Phoenix down a little bit, not really because he wins, but Cuerno having had the visual win where he he had it and he breaks it up to do something more, he doesn't look weak in defeat. Well, I wouldn't say he looks weak. I'd say he looks stupid. He looks stupid. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. He doesn't look weak. He he had the win. He gave mm-hmm. it up for something more. He got greedy, you know, which is common with a Craven the Hunter type of personality. He it wasn't enough. He needed more, and he flew too close to the sun. <laughs> so uh, you're saying his name should be King Icarus, then? Might as well be. Yes, yes. So Phoenix get gets the win, and Milmuertes still with his arm in a sling. By the way, he's still on, you know, where the bandstand was last season. Um, stands up from his chair and Mil Muertes is visibly pissed off. His arm's broken. He can't get rid of Phoenix. Phoenix is the biggest thorn in his side. They, he, anytime in a match where he's trying to put him down for good, he can't because the guy yeah. keeps coming back. He has to pin him. Uh, and he he knows that and it gets the better of him because it's just, you know, Mill could win each time, but he just, it's a battle between life and death like almost literally uh, between the two of them. And this time he won because he's the firebird. He's he had the he had the high ground and the sun was in his eyes from all that brightness for uh, Cuerno and Cuerno paid the price. Oh, my God. I know. Oh. Keep going. <laughs> you're you're amazing. So after that, we cut to a random office out of nowhere and we see a woman, potentially a police officer or police chief. Who knows, man? Uh, walking into an office, and she is Captain Vasquez. Don't know who that is, but in her office is the man that we know as Cortez Castro. Of course, apparently his name in the show, and, well, his name is, he goes by Officer Reyes here at the office. I think um, his, they don't say his first name, but I think it's supposed to be Ricky, which is his real name is Ricky Reyes. Um, and the officer asks him to name names and, or the police chief rather asks him to name names, police captain. And he just goes on and on about Chavo Guerrero and the crew and captain Vasquez, just like me, does not want to hear any more about Chavo Guerrero. No, would you, (laughs) would anybody? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're trying to basically get like a Rico file on, uh, to, you know, to have a Rico case on, uh, Dario Cueto. So, you know, because Castro says, like, after, you know, his brother murdered Bale, I wanted to, you know, have you guys come in. And she says, like, no, like, it's a lot bigger than just one street thug. And, you know, you're not quite getting the job done. So, yeah, you can stay on the case. You can go back to the temple. 
but you're not going alone. And who, uh, what, um, what sleazy wrestler turned sex pest turned Christian showed up? Christian Cage. No, Joey Ryan. It was close. I was close. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is when we get to the part of the show where it's like, oh, hey, let's talk about this guy that everyone justifiably hates now. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot with him. Uh, I I saw one of his tweets where he was basically doing like a prayer for forgiveness. And it it was like a, a Bible quote about, you know, being wrong in the past and wanting to be forgiven. I just remember reading that be like, dude, like now there's no reason to believe you. (laughs) You basically just admitted to everything like in this one tweet. So he's an idiot too, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was thinking about Castro and how frustrated he is in this because he's seen so many crimes committed, right? Just he's seen so much. He's like, why can't you just – work on all the evidence I've given you. And it's almost, it reminds me of The Departed with Leo's character, where he's like, look, how much more do you need? Like, I can testify to all these crimes and you still want me to be undercover. Like, what do you want? Just tell me and I'll get it for you. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, like, we saw Bale get murdered. We know he knows that the Black Lotus was kidnapped. Mm Mm-hmm. Like. He's seen it. It's kidnapping. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's ridiculous, man. Like that they won't just come on, you know, like Castro's done pretty much all he should need to do. Like, what else do you need them? Do you need like us to see Dario Cueto kill someone? What exactly do you need? It's really I really commend them on like going, even though it's about supernatural stuff and there's hokiness. And especially at the end of the next episode, but it, it's just how many wrestling shows have undercover cops pretending to be street thugs, right? No, you're absolutely right. Like this is a first to my knowledge. They're trying. Uh, the yeah. only thing I can think of is when uh, Dick Justice uh, had to give a subpoena to Colt Cabana. And because of that, they lost their match against Orange Cassidy and uh, what's his face from uh, the best friends, uh, Chuck okay. Taylor. Yeah. One of my favorite match endings of all time. <laughs> You've told me about that. I still haven't checked it out. I need to do that. It's but, so funny. Uh, folks, that is the end of the show. We thank you for listening. And uh, remember that, you know, sometimes when you're a sleazeball or a sex pest, you will suffer grave consequences.